You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 211 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm good, Val, but more to the point, how are you? Are you awake? I, I am awake. Now, Gina <laughs> is saying this because I actually missed our initial recording session for this episode because I sat in our chair, which is a... Uh, it's very daggy. It's a, it's a recliner chair, the electronic kind, you know, <laughs> that you get when you're really... a form of contraception, aren't they? <laughs> the fluffy nightgown and the slippers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And um, I fell asleep and Gina was texting me. She was messaging me on Facebook and I was just asleep in my recliner chair. I was and... worried because you know where you live. There's a lot of like um, – I don't know, things, people go missing. Oh, they do not. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and that was in 1982. So it was a long time ago. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, I missed our recording because I had fallen asleep because I had obviously had a big day that oh, day. Yeah. yeah. So this is our, our makeup session. All right. So, you're not asleep. You're awake. No, wide What's been awake. Happening? Oh my god, wired. Why? Why? Why are you wired? It just um, there's just lots happening, and then I I know you do this. I know this for a fact. But when you've got fifty deadlines, right, and you're under the pump, do you just go a bit like? Find distract shiny things distract you a lot easier. Yes, yes. very easy, yes. very very easy. Um, in fact, what I did today was quite the distraction because I have so many things on my to do list right now, and I am, you know, I have to fly to Melbourne tomorrow. We we I'm so busy we don't even have time no. to uh, catch up because I have to do some training, and what do I do today instead of all of the things that I'm meant to be doing? But this was actually quite interesting, and our listeners might find it quite interesting. I went to visit a really interesting um, – they make patterns for textiles. It's a company that makes patterns for textiles. And, you know, sometimes they draw them, sometimes they uh, they paint them, and then they scan it in, but other times they photograph them. So not many people probably think of this as a use for photography. Wow. That you at you might actually photograph it could be a flower, like you could actually you know, that 
you just go to the florist and, and arrange them in a certain way that the, in the way that you want them printed on your textiles and then you photograph them. Or you could photograph a whole range of things. You could even use photography in terms of, you know, palm trees or sunsets yeah. or whatever and use the those photographs then in designing fabric and that's where I went today and, and they do all of those things including use photography. Um, sometimes they buy photography and sometimes they they create their own photos to then use and print on fabric. So and that was pretty that's interesting. Niche that, yes, uh, and that's something we're going to be niche. talking about in today's show. Yes. Uh, Headshots for right. beginners, feel light, and the importance of defining your photography niche. And I'm probably uh, pronouncing that word with the Aussie right. yes. so what, how, in, what's the uh, US That's right. Thing? For our North, uh, Northern Hemisphere people, we know you say niche, which niche. is the weirdest thing in the world to us because oh. it's not a niche here. No. It's a niche, you know, like like a quiche. Niche, <laughs> niche. And it's, we put out. Oh, well, I took my Aussie. Oh, you've got that lovely uh, speaking voice, Valerie, because you went to that beautiful private school. <laughs> I went to a Bogan High School, and so I say niche. Niche. My, my vowels. Niche, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, we're going to be talking about your photography niche, but before we get to that, Gina has found this awesome link. Oh, my goodness. I've only just started looking at it, and it's just, I mean, my jaw has dropped. Gina, tell us about it. So, a dog has recreated all of Madonna's iconic uh, photos. A dog has. (laughs) Yeah. Dog's owner. Uh, But the dog is the star of the show, and they're unbelievable, and it was Madonna's six, 60, six, zero birthday last week. No. no. So, I know. Oh. I can't believe it. I can oh. still remember seeing her first, the first video I saw of hers was like a virgin and I was just like, who is this chick? Oh my God. And then she's like, went on to have, like she had the longest uh, streak of number ones on the um, charts out of anyone ever. And that they're saying that because of the algorithm now that the iTunes and all the others have, it probably won't be um, beaten. So there you go. Wow, that's it's incredible. But well, more importantly. Yeah, more importantly, a six-year-old dog called Max and his dad is a French fashion photographer called Vincent Thoreau. Uh, have been working on this project and it's absolutely awesome. So, of course, since the dog is called Max, he's Max Donna, you know, <laughs> as an homage to Madonna. And as Gina mentioned, now we'll put the link in the show notes, of course, which you can find at ginamilitia.com, but you'll find it on boardpanda.com. And the <laughs> they've featured the album cover, of Madonna, for example, from Ray of Light, where she's got that sort of satiny blue shirt on and her hair is all, all over the place. Well, <laughs> there's Max Donna has his album cover, Ray of Light, with a satiny shirt on and his hair's flying all over the place. It is exactly the same. They've done the music, as in the album music cover, where she's got the pink cowboy hat on and the western kind of shirt and the dogs do it. 
wearing the same thing. It's um, the Like a Virgin cover. He's wearing a bustier and a bit of a tutu and some dangly earrings. Looks exactly like him. The Material Girl. He's wearing the same Marilyn Monroe-type red satin dress and and all of the bling that Madonna was wearing. It's just incredible. It's incredible. So it's he's fantastic. managed to not only capture the vibe of the shot, but he's matched the, the toning, the style, oh, yes. the lighting, the tilt of the head, the hairstyle, everything. He This dog is channeling Madonna 100% it's and it's fantastic. Fantastic. Now, this sort of stuff not only entertains me no end, but it's it's actually quite lucrative and uh, this sort of taking on copying or paying um, homage to certain uh, album covers and uh, popular culture or poking fun at popular culture can lead some photographers or those that are, are very clever at um, – Photoshop to go on and then be uh, discovered. So there's a guy, and I've, I've pointed this uh, Instagram account out, but his name is Kirby Jenner, and uh, he started out, I first noticed him, I think, two to three years ago, and he started Photoshopping himself into Kylie Jenner's photos. Oh, Kendall, uh, I think. Kendall, Kendall Jenner, the model. And so she would be in a, like, you know how, that like in a fashion shoot in Paris doing something and he would really um, skillfully Photoshop himself next to her, right, doing <laughs> ridiculous things, you know, and he's so good. Like he would match the tone, the light. You would have to do a double take and think, is he in it? He recently uh, just got a, uh, a deal with McDonald's to do a wow. campaign for them. Oh, fantastic. So uh, there's a few like that around. So it's it's all fun and games, but it can get you noticed. So if you uh, have a sense of humour and you're good at Photoshop and a good photographer, who knows where it could lead you. I'm, I'm sure Madonna would have noticed these shots. Oh, they're just awesome. Nice they're well it. worth a look, so make sure you check them out. Really, really. <laughs> they, they are now amusing me to know, Angina. Thanks fantastic. for sharing them. You're welcome. <laughs> Now, we have some photo critiques this yep. week, do we? don't we, Gina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, if you're a regular listener and you're not in the podcast Facebook group, then you should join because it's a really awesome group, really yeah. supportive. Like I've seen uh, – there, there are lots of photo Facebook groups where you might put your photo up and, and I notice that people, for the, when they're posting for the first time, they put a please don't bag my photos as oh. their first line. It's like – and I'm thinking as if we would. We don't do that in this group. Yeah, Everyone, like who does and, that? And it surprises me and then I've gone to other groups and I'm like, oh, I see, it's a sport. It's a sport in other groups where you'll just like everyone just jumps on and picks the uh, you know picks the photos to death. But we are supportive and encouraging in this group. So yeah, uh, yes. join the Facebook group if you haven't already. To yeah, it's free to join. So just photos. search for "So You Want to Be a Photographer" podcast community on Facebook and request to join. Like I said, it's free to join. We'd love to have you in there, and it's just such an awesome community of listeners who. You know, we're all talking the same language, which is great. That's cool. Uh, all right, so first up I've got Christy Roach who, who uh, sent in uh, a series of images where she used a reflector and uh, what she did, because often uh, photographers, we're working on our own and so 
like whilst it would be great to have flash and reflectors and all sorts of accessories, it's hard to maneuver when you've got a camera and you want to hold that with two hands and then you've got your model. How do you get the reflector in there? Now, if you're just doing a headshot, what you can do uh, is ask your model to hold the reflector just under their, under their chin. And this is a good way for you to get in close and make sure that you get some nice fill reflected into, fill light reflected into the face. But what happens if you want to do maybe a three-quarter or move out a little bit and, and zoom? So Christy managed to wedge her reflector into into a hedge to bounce some light back in because she had, had her model is uh, kind of backlit uh, to fill the frame. So she and, – and the reason for doing this is you're going to get detail in the background but you're also going to have the light bouncing back and filling the shadows on the face. Otherwise, you'll end up with a silhouette. So um, just on those, I think you've done a good job, and that was great thinking, just like thinking on your feet to go, well, well, maybe I can just sort of uh, put it here. I've held one up with my feet. I've put it at the ground. I've I've tried all sorts of ways. So that's that's a a good move there. And if the reflector's right in the the good angle, it will really bounce and fill in those hard shadows when you've got a a backlit shot. A a couple of things that you need to remember is uh, when when you've got your reflector, you've got uh, two – they're four-sided mostly, so you get uh, silver and white and gold and black. Uh, so you can turn them inside out and, and you can get gold and black or take take the cover off, flip it around and get um, silver and white. So silver is a, like a, a, a bounces a hard light that's almost like flash, so it works really well. White will give you a softer reflection and uh, which is a great source of fill light, a good neutral fill light. Uh, silver, a slightly harder edge to the fill light. And when you've got black, it does the opposite, Val. It's, uh, it, it takes away. Mm. So what's the opposite of fill? It empties light. What would Drains. be the opposite of fill? There, it's a drainer. Mm. So black is like reverse fill. So that's if you've got an image that's really super flat and you want to just uh, cut back some light, so say you wanted to have some modelling on the face, you could bring in the black side. The gold side, I can't think of a single use for it, Val. Okay, we all know, Gina, that you don't like the gold side of the reflector. I don't think it's that bad, but Gina is really, really, really is quite anti the gold side of the reflector. Um Perhaps you can explain to us why. But before you do, uh, these images that we're talking about, you can find in the show notes if you want to have a look at them. We've uh, put them in there at ginamilitia.com. But otherwise, we'll we'll kind of talk you through them anyway so that you don't have to look at them if you are not able to. But, yeah, why do you hate the gold side of the reflector so much? It's just a bit 1990s to me. It yeah, just, but, you know, everything you comes know, back round. It will. It'll come back for sure. The 90s are back in full. Every single show that was made in the 90s is being rebooted. What would you like to see rebooted oh. that hasn't already been from the 90s? Well, I'm, I'm very excited the Hawaii Five O got rebooted. Mm. I really mm. love that. Um, Jeez, I don't know. What would you like to see rebooted? Hey, Melrose Place. <gasps> Melrose Place. Oh, my God. Remember how it was like the biggest thing ever, Melrose Place, and there were Melrose Place 
parties, like yeah. you'd go to pub nights that would play Melrose Place. So cool. Mm, I'd I love loved to Melrose Place. I yeah. loved it too. I yeah, loved, loved it. It was like my uh, addiction. Yeah. And you would you would go home too. No, I can't. On Tuesday night, Melrose Place is on. Yeah, so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's why I don't like the, the gold reflector. But if you're in a very um, – like say you're shooting someone in an open shadow early in the morning, the light is quite blue under there. Okay. So you may maybe use that gold reflector to then. Oh, form. yeah, okay. And like – I don't mind. There's some that they're bringing out that are a nice little mix, so it's silver and gold, so it's oh. not as intense. So they're, they're not so bad either. I just personally don't, don't like them that much. Okay, just, sure. Yeah, that's it. So <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, so um, just uh, back to Christy's images. Okay. Uh, I noticed that there's uh, a lot of images here, Christy, where you've got right but directly behind the model white, bright, hot sky and I'm just wondering if you could have worked that uh, into your shot in some way and have the, the sky behind you uh, and I know you wanted to in- avoid having uh, bright sunlight on the face but um, if you could put your model in open shade some sometimes or use the translucent part of the reflector especially when the, the light is so hard and you've got such hard sh- shadows the reflector will struggle to fill that light so that's another way to work around when you've got that sort of light happening very good all right cool. all right so now we have sunny and sunny posted this uh, great shot of a couple and they seem to be standing in a in a field with some ancient ruins in the background and they're shot from quite low and she's wearing a red dress and looking and kind of like and he's in front of her and looking down at her because she's a little bit shorter than her and they're embracing but she's kind of like behind him embracing his back and he's looking um over his shoulder back at her quite lovingly and it's shot from quite low and then there's a like an ancient wall in the background and which which really adds to the mood of the shot and some pretty moody skies as well and you see a lot of sky in fact i would say you know four fifths of the uh, background is sky and he has um from what i can tell he has lit it from you know the front uh and it's a nice moody shot that's like it. They probably taken an engagement or, or it looks like wedding an engagement or that sort of thing. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think um, Sunny's done a great shot, a great job here uh, on this shot and the setup and the pose and the connection where you've got both the couple looking at each other. I, I'm suspecting it's a, a wider angle that is used just by the the way that the sky looks. It just gives that sense of space. Uh, so I, and and the use of light, like you've added a, a little dip of light to the couple. I think um, to take this image to the next level, what I'd consider is uh, just dropping back the saturation a little bit. And so what happens sometimes when, uh, say, you've done a shot and you might increase the exposure uh, on an app, it might be an app on your phone, you tend to uh, pick up a lot more saturation. So the skin tones and particularly the red look a bit fluorescent to me. So I think just knocking back the saturation 
a little bit will help with that and just make it look uh, a lot more natural and, and uh, not quite jumping out as much. You've also got uh, space to uh, in the exposure there to bring in a bit more detail into into the wall in the background. And also, you might want to consider that when you're using fill flash, especially as if you're using it in a shot where there might be uh, the sun setting and it's nice warm light, to maybe just put a, uh, a color temperature orange gel onto the flash. And so it doesn't have to be full strength. So uh, color temperature orange gel is a little strip of um, cellophane and it's uh, – it's tinted as a warm brownie sort of color, an orange color, and uh, basically you can get them at full strength, uh, half strength, quarter strength, and eighth strength. And using one of those, I think I work with a quarter strength, and I have quarter strength on my flash constantly. Flash on its own is uh, balanced to neutral, so it's a very cold white light. And so if you're using fill flash when there's uh, the sun is setting, or it, really at any time of the day, it's going to really make your subjects too neutral compared to the light that's around them. So if the light setting is sort of slightly warm and you drop some flash in, it's the giveaway that you've lit the shot. And so what you want the, the shot to look like is that it hasn't actually been lit. Uh, so that color temperature orange, that little gel will work. Uh, sometimes you can find uh, chocolate wrappers that will be a similar temp uh, color that you can maybe play with that, that might work as well. So, But they're not very expensive at all to buy and some of the companies have trial packs that you can try as well. So uh, that's uh, something that m might be worth uh, investigating there, Sunny. But great work on that shot. Yeah, great work, great work. Okay, so the next one is from Ian uh, and he has posted, and again, we'll, we'll paste these into the show notes, um, five black and white shots because he was asked to take black and white shots for his company's staff portal. And he said, nothing fancy, just a headshot in the office. And he's asked, what one thing can I do in future to improve on these? Okay, interesting, just one thing. All right. <laughs> what one thing, Gina? So there's, there's five shots of um, five different people in his company. They kind of all look kind of between 35 and 45 years old. They're in – they're not like in heavy suits. They're in kind of smart casual but collared shirts. Um, one woman – three guys and um, – oh, four guys. And I think that he's done a good job, certainly with yep. the lighting. And um, and it is hard when you're dealing with, you know, people that you work with who are probably a bit self-conscious and yeah. all that kind of thing. So, in answer – what would you answer uh, to Ian about what one thing can he do in the future to improve on things? So, Ian's done a good job and I know there are a lot, a lot of listeners in the same situation. So, uh, if you're seen around the office as like you're bringing in your photos that you took on the weekend, Jan, an accountant, knows that you take photos, the HR person knows because you've been talking about it, eventually there's going to be the tap on the shoulder and they're going to say, can you do the office headshots? This is a great opportunity. Don't Ooh. say no. Yeah. Always say yes and then uh, post post in the Facebook group the night before like everyone else has done that's been in the same situation. <laughs> 
And what you'll get is like so much support. It's not funny. And this is something, Val, that I've worked with the Goldies a lot and we've set up lighting scenarios that they could use. I've, I've given them homework to do. I've shown them how to, you know, what, what the best uh, lights are to have and, and, and all of this. And it's a fantastic uh, learning experience. So you're never going to go into this as an expert. You've got to learn on the job and the learning is in the doing. So, Ian, So before you go on, job. just in case there are some new listeners, uh, when Gina was referring to the Goldies, she was referring to the gold members of GinaMilitia.com. And uh, to find out a little bit more about uh, what it's what is involved in being a member of the gold community, have a listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production, you get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So, what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, there you go. That's some information on the gold community. So back to Ian's shots. What one thing could he do to improve on these in the future? Okay, so uh, what you want to do with uh, headshots like this is you want to make this consistent so that every shot has a similar look and vibe. So it's not something that you'll – unless they want a lifestyle – sort of look where you want some sort of uh, background in the shot. But in this situation, they've asked for the company headshots, black and white with a white background. So what I recommend that you do and the simplest kind of lighting and the easiest thing for a beginner that's also going to have like that wow factor that everyone looks at them and goes, these are amazing. I love myself sick (laughs) in these shots. You love yourself fully sick. Fully sick. I fully love sick. myself fully sick, which is the reaction that you want mm-hmm. in whatever your sort of particular slang is to describe mm-hmm. that, but that's the best way to say it, uh, is to use garage lighting. Oh, yes. So if you're in an, office, in an office scenario, there is always when you're in a high rise, it's always very tricky because you've got 
often, unless you work at Google where they've probably got like gardens and all sorts of amazing <laughs> locations that you can find, a lot of offices are filing cabinets, there's stuff on the walls, the window light isn't often great and it's crowded so you can't sort of uh, wedge yourself up against Jan in account and next to the HR person you've got to move their bin out of the way and it's really sort of disruptive and plus if it's an open plan studio the la- office, the last thing you want as the photographer doing it for the first time is to have 40 people watching you. Yes. I mean, it's bad enough trying to perform in front of one person. You're already self-conscious. So what I recommend is you use garage lighting. So downstairs where everyone parks their car, the, the parking garage, if you're in a, a position where there is like it's a bright sunny day and you've got hard light coming in and there will be a point in the garage in an entryway that you can stand the people just out of the sunlight, right, in the entrance of a the entry to the parking or it could be an awning outside the the building or somewhere where there is uh, light flooding in. It might be that you have a large window in the office, so you stand so that you've got the large window to your back or the large source Mm. of light at your back and you place the person in front of you and then you'll have a reflector under them that's going to bounce beautiful fill light. The white side will be plenty under that and then that's it. You're not going to use flash and that's going to give you the right kind of light. Now, in terms – and that – that in itself is going to wow everyone. So so look for the great light. Don't worry. Forget about the location. It's all about the light. If you can't, if you don't have the clean white wall, you can easily get one of those pop-up reflectors and put it on a light stand and have that behind the person so that you've got a nice flat, flat white background, which is what they've asked for in those in these shots. Uh in terms of getting that connection, that's all about practice and, and knowing what to say. But there are many uh, podcast episodes where we talk about what to say to people when you're photographing them. So it's just a matter of continuing to talk and uh, knowing how to direct and get their head right. And then finally, uh, just with your editing, everything looks really consistent. I love that all the shots look identical in terms of the toning Uh, that you've used here, Ian. Uh, But what I noticed was especially when you've got black and white, there needs to be uh, good contrast in your black and white. So basically I took one of your images uh, into um, Lightroom and I've just added a a little bit of uh, exposure. I've increased the exposure a little bit and added some black and a little bit of contrast and you can see the difference there in the show notes that you've got now got a good white and a good black, a good white point and a good black point, which is essential in the black and white so it's now got some uh it sparkles and and that that image uh just with a like a such a minor tweak it took me 30 seconds suddenly it 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 jumps from the page rather than being uh low in contrast and this is something that was drummed into me as a as a young printer because i couldn't see i couldn't understand what they were talking about in terms of contrast and i i kept getting my images uh rejected because they were not the right contrast. And so that's now the first thing I see whenever I look at a black and white image, what what the contrast looks like. Yeah, yeah. 
Great advice. Okay, so so some fantastic photo critiques. Love it. All right, so what have we got next, Gina? Are we moving straight on to our topic, defining your yes. photography niche or niche? Yes. Uh, so uh, what I want to talk about is like the question is what for the listeners and you, Val, what kind yeah. of photographer are you and right. what kind of photographer would you like to be? Ooh. What kind of photographer are you and what kind of photographer you would like to be? All right, they're, they're great questions. So, listeners, I hope that you're thinking about that right now. Perhaps you can expand a little bit more as to why you've asked those questions. So, last week, Val, I sent out an email to the Gold community and uh, I was asking them to outline their goals for the next six months and I gave yeah. them some questions that they needed to think about and one one of them was, what kind of photographer are you and what kind of photographer would you like to become? Yeah. And I got such a positive response from this exercise that every, everyone was saying how, how good it was to write down their goals and also to try and define themselves mm. and define what they wanted to be. And I, I find, I, I like I do this a lot, do you, I think you probably do that as, as well where you write down your goals for the year your goals for the next five years. And so once it's down on paper, it kind of – you then just work backwards. It's like, okay, this is what oh, I want to do right. and how do I how do I achieve that? So, yes. And another reason so, – because there's many of us that have kind of got an idea, oh, yeah, I want to be a photographer, but you, you really want to think through, well, what kind of photography is it that you want to do and where do you want to take – where do you want your photography to take you? And if, as this, okay, I'm going to describe a scenario to All you right. now, Val. Go on. Uh, okay. So just imagine mm. you've been invited to a uh, an outing. So it might be a, a social gathering for someone at work or uh, your third cousin's wedding. <laughs> okay. Right? And or you even don't your first know, cousin's wedding. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know anyone. At okay. there. So the first thing you do when you're in a situation like this is you've got to make friends with the waiter. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is this is party survival 101. So you make friends with the waiter because then he's constantly coming back with the prawn cocktails. Oh, so yes. That's, All right. Provided you like the food. Provided you like the food. Yes. Well, who, who wouldn't? Who doesn't? Because it might be crap food. Oh. You wouldn't go. Okay. okay so it's a, it's a party where there's good food. You okay. can make friends with the waiter. So okay. you, you've got that. But then – and there's always the champagne is coming. But somewhere between your fourth prawn co- cocktail or little fried things that whatever's going around and your third champagne – Mm-hmm. So the DJ's playing a, a Latin remix of Ice Ice Baby. So set the scene, haven't I? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you strike up an awkward conversation with someone and, like, you start talking about all sorts of stuff and then somewhere in between Eye of the Tiger, the Latin <laughs> remix, right, uh-huh. and, and you're talking about the weather and, uh, you know, you've got the stock standard out answer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yes, the weather sucks, uh, and then they ask you about sport. You go, oh, yeah, my team suck or are going great. Uh, or you talk about politics, yeah, my team suck or they're going great. Yes. Your family, yeah, my family are great or they suck, right? You've got okay. everything covered. 
eye of the tiger. Oh, I don't know right. what party this is. It sounds so, very strange, but go on. Right. And then finally the stranger gets to somewhere in amongst all of that and what do you do for work? Right. Okay. Yes. So you can't say my team suck or are going great at this point. So you go, no. well, I'm a, I'm a photographer. And the yes. stranger goes, ah, so you do weddings. Mm-hmm. And then it, that's when it starts to get awkward, Val. Wow. Well, you, you kind of like, no, well, yeah, I've done we- – oh, yeah, I did my cousin Dave's wedding once, and it, <laughs> but I don't really do weddings. Oh, so you do family portraits. Well – well, Dave did ask me to do their family portrait, but mm-hmm. I don't really do family portraits. And then the the you, you kind of you know, oh, I photographed Aunt Mabel's eighty fifth, but it was like kind of just like candid. And you're blah, 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 blah. now you don't know who this stranger is, but this stranger could be the editor of Vogue, for all you know. Yes, it could be. And so here's your opportunity. Right, and so, and then, and then the stranger says, "Well, oh, so you're an Instagram photographer," <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, yeah, no, I've got an Instagram account, but it's mostly selfies or photos of my cat Pickles, you know. So, you know, it's <laughs> not, and then all Simpsons memes, you know. And then, so you, it, you, you kind of botched your opportunity to sell yourself there, okay. and I know that, like, I'm not alone in having that problem of having had that problem of like knowing how to define yourself as a photographer. So this is where you come in, Val. Okay. How do I come many, in? Many, <laughs> many people, photographers, listeners out there are going to find themselves in a situation like that, not necessarily at a party, but you're at the hairdressers or you're at the fruit shop or you're at the supermarket or the mechanics and you get asked mm-hmm. that question. And if you can't put it into a couple of sentences. If you mm-hmm. don't know yourself what you do, how are you going to sell yourself as a photographer? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You're correct. <laughs> so we can then talk about, Val, niching or niching mm-hmm. <laughs> down uh, to kind of work out, do the exercise of, well, what kind of photographer are you? All right. So yes. you can call yourself a photographer, but it's too broad. Yes. All right. So let's say Dave is a portrait photographer. Okay. Too mm. broad. Let's narrow it down a little bit more. So what kind of portraits does Dave do? He's not a family portrait. No, Dave's a headshot photographer. That's getting better, right? So we've described him as first he's a photographer. Yes. Then he's a portrait photographer. And then we can niche down further. He's a headshot photographer. We can go for still, Val. Go on, yes. Okay, so he specialises in – he shoots photograph headshots for the corporate sector. Yes. He does corporate headshots. Yes. All right. So Dave is a photographer specialising in headshots headshots for the finance industry. Okay. So Mm -hmm. that's – that's like kind of niching down. The benefit of that, Val, is you can use like once you define exactly what you do and it feels like, and I know this is a mistake that a lot of new photographers made and I certainly made this when I was starting out, you think that if you cast a very wide net in terms of how you put yourself out there, I'm a photographer, I do everything. 
weddings, yes. parties, everything. I'm going to put my everything on my website. I'm going to put that I, all my food, every headshot I've ever done, all my family portraits, weddings, cars, all of it. And and it sounds really logical to, to do that because then anyone who stops by is going to see that, oh, great. They do everything. Mm-hmm. I need a car photographer. They do cars. Fantastic. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, does it? No. It's too broad. Yeah, that's right. I think that one of the important things is to niche down, as you've mentioned. And I, But I think that people struggle with figuring out what their niche is mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, and if you're – in that situation where you're kind of still relatively new to photography and you're not sure where to niche, then that's fair enough. So one of the things that you need to do is try lots of different things because until you try them, you won't actually know whether they're in or out as in of what you're passionate about. Yeah. And you can and people make the mistake of trying a niche first and then and then going <laughs> going for it, but you should just try everything and yeah. you'll quickly figure out, oh, I really hate that because of this reason or I'm really into that or I'm drawn to that for some other reason and you'll slowly niche into a particular area. Now, even if you do need to uh, accept other jobs outside of that niche for purely financial reasons, that's okay but still when you are talking and positioning yourself to people, Focus on your particular niche. If then other people come to you outside of that, that niche and you want to take, you know, good on them and if you want to take those gigs because you need to for financial reasons, do it anyway. But at least if you position yourself in the area in which you want to specialize, then those people are more likely to think, okay, that's, that's the guy or the girl for me. That person does exactly what I want. Yeah, um, and yeah, I've got a good example of that, Val. So okay. I knew a lot of uh, photographers uh, that, that that were working. They were known as editorial fashion photographers. That mm-hmm. was their niche, and that was what you saw when you went to their website. Uh, uh, that's what they were known as. But uh, ten or fifteen times a year, also shooting weddings wasn't advertised, but they did them as well. And that was a, a good little way to sort of, um, you know, boost their income for the year. And also they did headshots and they might've done some product photography as well. Not advertised, but part of that uh, relationship building process is like you, the, the weddings were, they were photographing fashion and a lot of the art directors that they were working with were also getting married. So they'd ask them because like, well, you've shot my fashion. Will you shoot my wedding? Yes, I can do that. And then from there, the girlfriends see the wedding and they go, well, who shot that? Yeah. It's my fashion. And it, and it grows from that. So it's not that you can't keep doing that because everyone needs to eat and everyone needs to, to you know, take care of business. It's just that you're not advertising that you're doing that. I think also you need to position it in a different way. Even though you might niche down to I'm a photographer specializing in headshots in the finance industry. I think that what's better is to say, I um, help, um, uh, you know, I, I help people in the finance industry express their authentic self through imagery or yep. something like that. So it's clear who you help. Yep. You know, I help people like derivatives and bonds traders, um, uh, you know, uh, um, 
project an authentic image through, through great photography. So think about who it is that you help. So a great example, I met this vet the other day, and we all know what a vet does. A vet helps animals, right? They're mm. like the doctor for animals. Um, but he had a very special niche in that he was targeting people who, who thought nothing of spending a lot of money on their pets because they love their pets, right? Yep. So, but instead of saying uh, he's a he's a vet to you know cats and dogs in this particular area, he said that he was a vet who helped people who wanted to be five star pet parents. There you go. He wanted to be five star pet parents. So it was all about them. It wasn't about the yes. dog or the cat because these people actually want to be thought of as five star pet parents. And it's a good way to put it because it, 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 it's back on the client. And, and what it's saying is, well, obviously, if you're coming to me, you're a five-star you have parent. excellent taste and you're a five-star parent. And, it, right. and it's kind of like a, a lot of us, uh, people, when they're, they're writing their bios and setting up their websites, they're thinking in terms of how like a photographer thinks. So like you might be a photographer who um, – if you were describing your talents to an art director or, or someone in the industry or another photographer, you might say, I shoot high-end corporates using a Hasselblad uh, H5D, Profoto B1s, Broncolor Para, and I edit in Capture One. Okay? So now, if you're an industry insider, that all makes sense and it sounds kind of sexy and you need to have a cigarette afterwards, right? <laughs> But if you're not, it's a recliner and a fluffy dressing gown. It means nothing. (laughs) The hell, I'll never let that go, that image. Have you got a dressing gown, a fluffy dressing gown and fluffy – have you got Uggies? I bought a fluffy dressing gown about two weeks ago. get any better. From like Kmart or somewhere. Wow, what colour? Pink. For like, oh, oh, oh. I'm so classy, for like $12 and I don't know, but it's yes, fluffy yes. and it's so fluffy. I even call it fluffy. I said, I yep. go, where's my fluffy now? <laughs> and not only do I love it so much, when I'm in bed, I love it so much, I actually put it on top of me. Beautiful. <laughs> because it's so Beautiful. soft and fluffy. So the recliner, recliner brown leather, is it? No, it's it's um, cream. It's a little bit nasty. Oh, cream! Is it leather? Yeah. Have the cats slashed it to bits? No, because we put the rose on them. Oh, so they don't they don't try and um, sharpen their nails on the leather because they tend to like it for that. Yeah, no, we put the rose on them, and also because it's a single recliner chair, and um, we love it so much, we've bought the two and a half seater. <laughs> All right. It's going to recline on both sides. So the recliner was just like the gateway. (laughs) And now you're full on. Uh huh. (laughs) Sexy, Val. So sexy. Okay. Sorry. Um, We digress. (laughs) You don't need to know about my lounge room. Okay. So we've gone from uh, the the photography description would be shooting high end, the sexy descriptions, high end corporate portraits using a Hasselblad H5D pro photos, Broncolor Para, and edit in Capture One. So some people would be orgasmic right now. 
I'll have what she's having, yes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that doesn't mean anything to a lot of people. So you need mm. to be thinking about, okay, who are your clients? Who's going to be reading this? And like the vet saying that, you know, that's the five-star making fi- – what is it? Five-star good good help. catch. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Help people um, become five-star pet parents who want to be five-star pet parents. All right, so you might be in the finance industry. I help individuals in the finance industry promote their image by creating headshots that are high-end, authentic, natural, and engaging. Uh, You could probably write a better line than that, Val. But, like, do you you get what – so it's about, like, putting yourself in the – what is the client searching for when they're looking for you uh, as a photographer? And you want something that that grabs their attention and tells them exactly – what you as a photographer are going to do for them. And I think the other one that you want to mention, Val, is to talk about how long you've been doing it as well, Uh, unless you've been doing it under a year that you probably don't (laughs) want to mention. And I've been been, uh, in the photography industry for three months now helping the best in, in, in the country three months. So if it's under, if you're just getting started out, then don't mention it. But if you've got a, like a few years under your belt, then it's, um, it's probably good to say that I've been around for a long time. I've been helping people for a long time and in the X many years, I guess. Yeah. What's your spin on that, Val? Yeah, I think that that's something that – like you don't have to overload people with information. Mm. So I don't think you need to offer that up unless you're asked. Mm. Um, I think that people often think, oh, I need to – if especially if they are at a networking event or somewhere where they're trying to make connections. I think that people sometimes um, go overboard and start, you know, talking about the – the MFA that they've just done or the course that they've completed or, or whatever. But the thing is, if somebody's using the services of a photographer, they expect you to have some level of expertise. Um, so I think what you need to do is connect with them. And the number of years definitely um, mention that if they ask for it, but it's not necessarily the first or if second or even third thing that comes out of your mouth. It's more like giving examples. After you actually talk about the kind of person you help and how you do it. All right, all right let's do a role play. So let's do right. you're an artist, Val. Yeah. I'm meeting you for for the first time. Have you you've have you got your elevator pitch down now? Your party pitch for for you as Valerie Koo, the artist. I don't, but I will. Okay, well here you go. I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, You're gonna, so, all right. So, so we're at the we're at um we're at Muriel's wedding. All right, we're at Muriel's wedding. wedding. Okay. We're standing next to the buffet table. Yes, three champagnes in. Yes, music's in the background. So it's ice, ice, baby. And so I'll come up to you. Okay. And, and we'll, we've done the weather. We've done. I've noticed. We've talked about your recliner and the fact that you've got a pink fluffy. And then I go, oh, that's cool. So, so what do you do, Val? I create bespoke artwork for businesses. There you go. All in one line. And yes. what, what does that mean? So What's basically, bespoke? if a business wants some artwork on their wall, we chat about it and I create a specific uh, painting. It's usually a painting that will suit that the exact place that they want to display it. 
Fantastic. So you got that in like two sentences. So first it was like a little teaser, like this is what I do. And then the second sentence, you actually know exactly what you do. And then from there, if the person that you're speaking to is uh, not a complete narcissist, they, they would ask more questions. Otherwise, yes. they just go, yeah, great, didn't listen to any of that. Let me Now let me tell you about me. <laughs> but generally – you, you can say it in a way that if they are interested, they will continue to ask questions that can then lead you to describe it in, in more depth. But you didn't st- stammer or stumble through that, so you had like a, a nice little pitch there. Yes, yes. I think also sometimes when you're shy, there can be a, t- a tendency to um, give sh- too short answers. So, you know, you, instead you might have said, oh, oh, I'm an artist or um, uh, and, and something that kind of that gives the impression that, oh, maybe you're holding your cards too close to your chest and maybe you don't want to talk about it. So sometimes when you t- – when you're shy, you can give the impression to people that you actually don't want to talk about what it is that you do and some people get that vibe and then don't pursue it because they think that they're doing the right thing, you know what I mean? So what would you suggest, what's an answer to say, let's just say you were answering, I'm a photographer, you know, I'm a photographer is going to shut down the conversation or it sets up that whole back forth, back forth weddings. I would offer a little bit more than I'm a photographer. I would say something like, you know, oh, I'm a photographer, I specialize in photographing dogs or whatever. I I don't know what what the thing is. But uh, And then if the person has a dog, there's an instant connection, you know what I mean? And even if they don't, they – people's interest is piqued, otherwise they feel that they're being nosy. Oh, what kind of photographer? As opposed to, oh, that's great, you know, I love dogs, blah, blah, blah. So that's um, great because it cuts off the that that need for the person to then just fill the gaps for you. Like, you know, the I'm a photographer then, well, then like, okay, well, I better ask another question. Oh, so do you do weddings? And then it's a, a guessing game. So you, you need to have the I'm a photographer and I specialise in blah. Yes, and the thing that I see quite a number of people um, do, um, and it's real. It stresses me out and annoys me a little bit, but I can see why people do it. Is when people don't have the confidence to call themselves a photographer. So maybe they have a day job doing something completely unrelated, but they love photography. It's their thing. It's their passion. Mm. It's what they do all their waking hours when they're not at their day job, and uh, and they may not yet be earning money from it or earning much money from it. But I have met a lot of people who will say, um, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, a blah, blah during the day and, um, yeah, on weekends I try I try my hand at photography or they'll say something like, um, oh, I'm a part-time photographer but I'm not earning many, any money from it yet. I mean, is that relevant? Mm. I think that a lot of people don't want to don't, either don't have the confidence and don't want to appear like they've got tickets of, on themselves so they don't feel that they've earned the right to say that they're a photographer. So instead they try and play it down. Mm. Now, look, um, there's a, I think it's important to recognize that there's you can, some things you might want to play down but other times if, if, you're, if you actually want to – get more photography gigs, Mm. then playing it down (laughs) isn't going to get you there. 
So, so you should own the fact that you're a photographer. So one of the things, for example, I have a day job, um, but as you know, my current obsession is art, and yeah. um, I I realised the other day that <laughs> Never, I your day job. That's funny. Yeah, I've got a day job. So <laughs> Just a little little thing that I'm working on, <laughs> tiny little, tiny business. Yeah. Anyway. But, but I realised the other day that when you add up the number of hours I spend on <laughs> art and art-related activities, I yeah. do it more than it's 40 a hours yes. a week. Hence so the naps. I can, can, you know, confidently say I'm a full-time artist yeah. because I, I, don't, I might not be doing those hours from nine to five, but – it doesn't matter. I'm a full-time artist. So, you know, whatever you need to do to kind of give yourself a little bit of confidence so that you you can own the fact that you're a photographer, um, I think is very important. I meet a lot of creatives who are very self-deprecating. I was talking to a writer the other day and he said he was talking about, oh, you know, if you can earn a living as a writer, blah, 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 blah. And, and it's like, well, gee, if I was a client, I wouldn't have a lot of confidence in you. No. That's the way you talk and think. And I gave him a bit of a talking to about the, his self-deprecation, which he used as humor. Yes. Um, but it wasn't positioning himself as somebody that you necessarily thought, oh, what a go-getter, I want to do business with him. Um, and, of That's course, a- both you and I have watched the recent Netflix special um, with Hannah Gadsby yes. on the net. And everyone should watch it. You, you'll be able to get it in your country because it's in like 190 countries or something. Mm. And um, it's called Nanette and it's just a one-hour um, special on Netflix, a stand-up comedian who's Australian. And one of the things she says is that she's no longer going to use self-deprecation as a form of humor because she was basically making herself the butt of the joke and mm. she was um, uh, using it to get laughs. But in And one of the things she says, she realized that that is not um, humility because a lot of people think, oh, well, you just do it to be humble. It is humiliating and she's not going to do it anymore. And I strongly recommend that other people don't use self-deprecation as a form of, um, you know, playing things down when they just don't need to be. Exactly. And and I think it's um, – you, you've got to think about where it's coming from, Val, as well, mm. you know. Like what, what what is causing you to speak that way? And it's often uh, something that might have happened in childhood or you might have had someone that had some influence over you that, that is that inner voice in your head, that sort of imposter syndrome that comes out that is telling you that you're not good enough and not enough. So, you know, um, it's, have a think about that. Sometimes it's got that. nothing to do with childhood at all. Sometimes it's just because that's the way your friends talk and so you just get into the habit. Yeah, I guess so. That that too. But yeah, it's so it's um a, a good idea to uh it's really worth finding a way for you to own uh who you are and what you want to be. When I I decided very very early on that I wanted to be a photographer and the way I owned it was I went and I was still an assistant. I was still working in a lab, but I decided that this was what I wanted to do full time. So I went out, Val, and I got business cards printed and they said my name, they said photographer, and uh, they had my phone number. And, and, And that for me was the moment that I said out loud, I'm a photographer and I owned it. And from then on, and that was 30 years ago. 
Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, yeah, you know, if it takes a little symbol like that as well, um, you know, even if it is getting your business cards printed for you to um, feel ownership of, of your decision, go do it. I remember when about 10 or 13, 12 years ago, I decided I wanted to be a keynote speaker, but I hadn't had any speaking gigs at that time. And uh, someone gave me the advice of, yeah, just get get it printed on your business card, you know, valid. <laughs> keynote speaker and I went oh yeah okay I did so I did and I mean I had like a writer keynote speaker something and a week later I got my first keynote speaking gig so you you know I think it when you get yourself into the mindset um, I think that uh, that's definitely a good approach all right. So, so What's own next? it. Be, be it. Work out that that pitch. But have that. Um, because when you think about it, Val, and I know from uh, all the many many gigs that I've had, it's where they come from, where you least expect it. A lot of the really good ones, and I know you've been in the same position, Val, with some of the stuff that you've uh, picked up over the years in terms of lucrative gigs. It's not where you, they don't come from where you expect it. And it might be a five minute conversation with someone literally in an elevator that then turns into a connection that comes to a follow up call and suddenly you've got this uh, fantastic gig. And it comes down to uh, how people perceive you when they meet you. So having that, that line at the party next to the shrimp cock, the prawn cocktails, uh, describing what you do in in a way that's, uh, uh, you know, passionate and enthusiastic and owning it uh, can can be really rewarding. Cool. All right. So we're probably at the end of this week's podcast. Yep. yep. All right. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? I'm going to just rock in. I need your recliner. <laughs> Well, there you go. Now you I'm want to go buy myself a fluffy, uh, a fluffy uh, dressing gown. I've got uh, <laughs> heaps of editing. I've been working on uh, hands, uh, and I'll continue to do that. So, um, and okay. yeah, heaps of retouching. And oh, um, I think I've replaced Nutella. No. No, well, how's that possible? I'm almost, I'm almost sick of it, but not quite. I reckon I've got another four nights. I, I overdo things. Yippee. I think I'm just a bit, it, <laughs> okay, so it's cheesecake in a cup. <laughs> what? Made from scratch. That's weird. What do you mean made from scratch? Well, so what happened was I I, uh, I went out with someone, uh, a, a, like there was a few of us and we went out and we had this cheesecake that was to die for. And so ever since then I'm like, I have to have cheesecake. And then I'm Ooh. like, I'm going to make one. And then I discovered this cheesecake in a cup and you're supposed to like do the base, do the cheesecake, and it's not a baked one, it's a refrigerated one. Okay. And so, I don't like cheesecake. Oh my god, oh, I love cheesecake. So uh, it's a kind of a semi-healthy one that doesn't have any sort of rubbish in it, but it's sour cream, yogurt, cream cheese, a bit of gelatin, some lemon, uh, and that's the the sort of the bulk of the cheesecake. Mm-hmm. And then you're supposed to make this base that you press into the bottom. But I have been too lazy to do that, so I've just been making the cheesecakey part. And sometimes it gets refrigerated. Sometimes it doesn't even make the refrigerator, oh and I just 
I've just been going for that. And the, so the, the biscuit base is the best part of a cheesecake. Like no, I would only Rachel, eat it for that. No, I disagree. I don't like the biscuit base. I just like that, that, that cheesy, lemony, amazing. So all that's missing from that is would be the recliner with the fluffy – I wouldn't get pink though, <laughs> but the fluffy, uh, yeah, and your favourite something on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Claws, <laughs> which is fantastic. All right. Favorite. So that's it. Awesome. You're busy. More than a okay. Photography podcast. Hey. <laughs> it's more than a photography podcast. Yeah, that's now. right. It's <laughs> off on a tangent this week. All right. Where do we find you online, Gina? So GinaMilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to connect with me in person, you can by joining the Goal community. Uh, So if you're the kind of photographer that's thinking, oh, how can I improve my photography? Then I'd love to work with you. I've taken so, – there's so many photographers in that community at the moment that, like, wouldn't even dare consider even approaching a person to do a headshot. They were afraid of all of that. Now I've got them. They're out there. I see them. They're setting up shots. They're approaching strangers. They're, like, they're overcoming it. all their fears. They're learning lighting and post-production and, and all of it. It's, it's amazing. So that's at Gina Militia dot com and click on join the community what about you val uh you'll find me at valerie koo that's k-h-o-o on twitter and instagram and of course i'm also in the gold community and i love checking out all the incredible people who are so talented from all works of life and all different levels it's such a great you know fantastic nurturing place to be all right thanks for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.